Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Hey there, Corpus Christi. My name is Tommy, and I heard from the radio guys that y'all wanted to know what my last ad was all about. Well, I wasn't quite ready to let everyone know what I do or how I do it. I was setting up shop and getting things going, preparing, so to speak. You see, I've been in the cooling people down business for many years, fixing air conditioners or installing new ones. You know, keeping people cool. It's my mission. It's what I was born to do. So just remember, my name is Tommy. Tommy Cool. And I am here for you when things get hot and sticky. So be cool, Corpus Christi. Be cool. Come for a visit at TommyCool.com. That's TommyCool.com. License number 16085E. Our next episode of the Empire Builders podcast is a continuation of this story. But we're going to be talking about Matchbox and Hot Wheels. And yep, there's a Barbie tie-in. Matchbox started in England. So it's 1947, so we're going back in time. England is still in rubble. UK's bankrupt. There's 2 million soldiers who are out of work. Leslie and Rodney Smith start this die casting business and they're making various stuff, but they're not getting rich. And they take on this new partner, Jack O'Dell. And Jack has serious skills as a designer and a caster. So as you know, casting stuff is you make a mold, you pour the metal into Mm -hmm. it, you pop it out, right? And one day he gets bored because around November to December in the die cast business, things really slow down because companies start to draw down their inventory. So he's bored and he wants to fill his time. So he starts making parts for a toy company. The following Christmas, because of that experience, he decides to make his own toy. And what he sees is these steamrollers all around that are repairing the roads from the war, right? So he decides Mm -hmm. to make a die cast toy of a steamroller. And then he does different things every Christmas. So different every Christmas, he's making a different toy. 1953 comes along. And it's the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. He makes this very detailed casting of a coach with eight horses, eight riders. It's four and a half inches long. And it's very detailed. It's super detailed because he's a very skilled caster. Sells like crazy. Like he sells a million of them. Yeah. Sells a million of these things. A million. But the problem is it's a one-time event. So he needs an idea that lasts. He then notices there's a restriction at his daughter's school. And this is where the brilliant thing is, is, is noticing events. And this is what, we, again, we see all the time, is they can only bring a toy to school that fits in, guess what? A matchbox. A matchbox. So let's make a toy that fits it's in a matchbox. A matchbox. And so he goes back to an early toy he did, the steamroller. And he makes it yeah. tinier and he makes it fit in the matchbox. And he creates <laughs> a line of four miniature vehicles that fit in the matchbox. A tractor, a cement mixer, a dump truck, and a road roller. And it's the 1953 holiday season. Still the four most exciting vehicles on the planet. Yes. I'm just saying. Exactly. 1953 holiday season. 
And guess what? It's not a hit. Oh, no. Those kids aren't into dump trucks. Right. So in 1954, he makes the London double-decker bus. There we go. Sales take off. I had one of those. Right. It was one of my faves, right? Because right. you could look in the little windows in the top half. And they were so detailed, right? Like you could actually yeah, look yeah. inside. So he expands the line. He adds cars, and they're the exact replica. They got windows, et cetera. You could look in. You could see mm-hmm. the steering wheel and the dashboard, and they were 39 cents each. He sells millions of them, millions of them. 1955 comes, they're scaling up production, and he keeps this tight control on quality. Jack has no office. He walks the floor, and they're making Matchbox cars that look like the cars mom and dad drive. By 1962, they're selling a million of these cars a week. That's amazing. Yeah, and they're authentic looking, and they're not thinking about competition and Matchbox launches in the United States. Mm. Now, remember Elliot Handler, who invented the Barbie, and there's Uh Ruth's husband, her husband, Elliot, who had been trying to create cars that kept flopping. And, you know, I got to admit, he probably wants a hit of his own. Like, you know, he supports his wife and whatnot, but I'm sure there's a part of him that wants a hit of his own. And so Elliot sitting in his grandson is playing with a matchbox. He owns Mattel, And his grandson (laughs) is playing with a Matchbox toy. Uh And he looks at this Matchbox toy, and it relights his passion for creating a car. And what he notices is there's a way to improve on the playability. Remember the problem that they kept having with the old cars was playability? Yeah, dude, dude. Like, like, this is where Hot Wheels was just heads and shoulders above Matchbox. Right. Was the playability? You th- these cars actually rolled, and they they had the the little suspension because they had a wire axle instead of a steel rod, right? It, it, they they were brilliant little cars instead of. And, and I had both, but the favorites were always the Hot Wheels because you could put them on a track. You are so brilliant, Dave. So it's 1966, <laughs> and he decides to take one more shot at cars. And what yeah. does he do? They won't roll. So what does he do? He takes a matchbox car apart and he looks at it and he says what it needs. It has this straight metal axle and what it needs is a flexible axle like a real car. And one that doesn't have as much friction on the wheel. Correct. So so really thin wire. And plastic. And they're now been playing around with plastic with Barbie. So they're experts in plastic. So they look at a new plastic wheel with less friction and they have thousands of yards of wire hanging around from making the toys, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so they modify So they basically take a matchbox car and they modify it with new wheels and axle and it rolls way better. Mm-hmm. So before going to market, he decides to hire a real car designer. He hires Harry Bradley. Now, Harry Bradley is a name you may recognize because Harry Bradley's the guy who designed the Oscar Mayer Wiener car. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they get Harry Bradley. And at first, Elliot does not like the designs. So what Harriet Bradley is doing is, is matchbox style designs. Very realistic. And he wanted something that's more fun. Because in California at the time, the hot rodding thing was going on in California. Yeah. And he said, I want cars like that. So they just start with an El Camino, but they mm-hmm. make it hot rodded looking. Now, yeah. the other thing that's kind of fun is Bradley also, because he's in the design industry, gets a look at the design of the new 1968 Corvette before it's released. So they make one that looks just like that and get it ready to basically release at the same time as the 68 nice. that's coming yeah. along. 
So their first release is 16 cars that they call the Sweet 16, and they decide to name the cars Hot Wheels. Cool name. And, yeah. and they give all the cars these really cool names, and they mm-hmm. launch at the Toy Fair in New York. So just as they're getting ready to launch, Bradley decides to resign because he doesn't design toy cars. He designs real cars. And this is a critical, mm. critical time. And Elliot decides, you know what? This is so critical. He's going to invite Kmart's buyer, Ken Sanger, to L.A. for a sneak preview to look at this stuff. So Ken takes a look at these. He was like, these are awesome. He immediately does a huge order. The other thing that Elliot does is some really innovative packaging. So Matchbox cars came in a Matchbox. Mm -hmm. So Elliot took a page from Entman's Bakery. Remember how yeah. Endeman's Bakery packaged the, things so the you little can, window. The yeah. little window. So he did that type of packaging so you can see the car inside. And he created this mm-hmm. red flame logo. It was fun and exciting. So on May 18th, 1968, he debuts the Sweet 16 line of Hot Wheels. And they sell 16 million cars in the first year. Amazing. It is a yeah. massive hit. 1970. They're two years later, demand exceeds supply, and he now has a rival to Barbie. That's amazing. Yeah. By 2018, 50 years later, it's a top-selling toy, and there's 10 Hot Wheels sold every second. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Okay, fine. That doesn't sound okay. Well, what is it? My business. What about it? You probably wouldn't understand. Hit me. Well, you know I love it. But? My revenues have flatlined and I'm not growing anymore. Okay. Well... It's frustrating and depressing, and it was so much better when we were growing. Oh, I bet it was. And nothing I've tried has moved the needle. What about talking to Steven? Steven who? You know, the guy that hosts this podcast. Really? You think he could help? I hear he runs a paid-for-performance marketing agency. I wonder how that works. Why don't you ask him? How? Book one of those free starter sessions on the podcast website. I don't know. You can't say you've tried everything. If you don't try this. You're right. I might even learn something. I bet you do. Thanks, man. Let's go grab a bite. Yeah, sounds good. Right after you call Steven. Okay, okay. Book your starter session on this podcast website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. That's fantastic. You know, without thinking about it, if, if you'd asked me which came first, Hot Wheels or or Matchbox, I'd have probably said Hot Wheels, because I would think Matchbox is just sort of a, a lesser-than knockoff of Hot Wheels, but it's it's the exact opposite. Hot Wheels is an improvement. They took the Chevy of, of the, the toy car industry and and turn it into the the mercedes of the toy car industry that makes any sense that doesn't make a lot of sense but you know what i mean and they end up crushing matchbox matchbox sales dramatically decline and matchbox even in terms of its response didn't try to make the cars roll better they now instead of they started for a period of time making cars that weren't replicas of real cars they thought oh well it's it's this hot rodding thing they didn't really understand why they were they were getting killed they end up matchbox ends up getting sold goes back and forth between different businesses and eventually mattel buys matchbox and that's how matchbox hot wheels and barbie 
all ended up being part of the Mattel line. Now, one of the things that is unfortunate is Ruth was forced out of Mattel. In the Barbie movie, they got it wrong. They said it was the uh, IRS and it was actually not the IRS. She came under fire from the SEC for doing inflating numbers in accounting and she was charged with securities fraud. And in 1978, she was tried and she pleaded no contest and got community service and fines. But mm. because of that, she was no longer able to be on the board of Mattel, which is really sad because she really put her heart into Mattel and Barbie. But it's amazing when you consider the innovation that she brought. She brought this thing. Everybody said she was nuts. Did the big gamble of advertising directly to children. Mm -hmm. Really changed the toy industry. And then you've also got to hand it to Elliot. When he looked at the Matchbox, immediately went, I know how to make this better. I know mm -hmm. how to make this better. But even Matchbox innovative. Oh, children can only take to school a toy that's this size. Let's make several of them. They can take our toys multiple times. Yeah, yeah, right? so, absolutely. Yeah. And it was still a playable toy. Like, as you said, it was fascinating to look inside of it and whatnot. It's just really too bad that Matchbox didn't really understand why they were getting killed in the marketplace. If they had made a change and made it a little bit more playable, the history might be very different on this. Here's a weird take on this. Matchbox, much better toy for the imagination, right? Because of the detail. You could, you could look inside the little car or the bus and see all the detailing and the molding and really kind of picture yourself inside of it. Hot Wheels is more about the experience of racing them and shooting them across the floor and, and um, just more uh, sensory action-oriented. Uh, almost introvert, extrovert, get into Myers-Briggs. It's it's like sensing versus uh, intuiting. Um, I, I mean, they're, they both had their strengths, uh, but for the American public, the sensing toy, the, the, the hands-on racing zoom-zoom toy is going to win every time because that's just, that's the nature of the majority in, in our society. And I wonder what would have happened if Matchbox had just, and again, didn't have to make it roll as well as a Hot Wheel, but I wonder if they had worked on that a little bit, whether that would have made a massive difference. Don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say. Yeah. You couldn't roll a Matchbox car on a Hot Wheels track. Oh, no. They're the same size car. It's the same scale. Yes. They just don't roll. No. You could use that Hot Wheels uh, Speed Racer launcher thing to launch a, a Matchbox car across the room. <laughs> <laughs> or a Barbie's head, for that matter. <laughs> Not that I have any personal experience with either of those things. But when you think about Elliot and Ruth Bandler, you know, between the two of them creating two of the most iconic toys in history, Barbie and Hot Wheels, like talk about a dynamic duo in the toy business. Especially after they, they, go, they go from picture frames to the you could doodle to the burpee gun to revolutionizing an entire industry yeah and and society even right i mean we could go all day about the role that barbie's played in just the evolution of society yeah and, and in some ways it's unfortunate the pushback that has happened you know to barbie because of the body figure and things along that lines because the goal ruth yeah. had the goal she had and maybe they could have handled things differently but the goal she had is she did want it to be an aspirational toy that was her goal. She yeah. was like, I want this to represent what women can become. That was her goal. And, and at the time, it was that because of the fact that 
the only choice young girls had was you get to play mom and housemaker. That's it. Sure. Yeah. That's it. And she was like, no, there yeah. needs to be another choice. And let's face it, she was a strong woman in her own right. She was running a manufacturing facility in the late 40s, early 50s. This was a strong woman. Yeah, very cool. Very fun story to hear about. Yeah, and as I said, you know, the three were so linked. They need to be told together. Yeah, it makes me want to go out in the garage and uh, dig in. I have a box that has some things from my childhood. I don't think I've got any Hot Wheels or, or Matchboxes left. Yeah, it was always sort of fun with the Matchbox ones looking in and and seeing like to me the part that was always amazing was the detail of the dashboard and you would look at the seats and the seats had like little graining on them they really were or they really are they're still made today really very intricate and the detail in the undercarriage right there there would be the the drive shaft and the uh, and the differential and and those kinds of things on the bottom yeah they really were quite amazing that was kind of fun yeah anyway it was a you know fun little trip back in memory lane, and, and thanks for sharing your uh, trauma. I sure enjoyed it, and now I'm off to the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast dot com.